Hi, this is the Ethical Business Podcast, and my name is Janet McLaughlin. I am the founder and managing director of a company called Marmion, based in Yorkshire. Uh, with me today is my co-host, Matt Pallister, and I'll try and let him get a word in this time. <laughs> and also my very special guest, Helen Lord, who is the managing director and founder of the Used Kitchen Exchange, based in Cheshire. Today, I'm particularly excited because not only do I admire Helen's work ethic and what she's created but she's also a very dear friend of mine a former colleague and and a very dear friend of mine and I really wanted Helen on this podcast because what she does absolutely epitomizes the whole idea of ethics whether it's in how you behave and in terms of what you do and what I'd like to do is really just give Helen if you don't mind just a wee intro into you in terms of what you do uh, so sit back and enjoy. Um, so the I'm going to love exchange, this, Janet. Just enjoy the journey, Helen. Just enjoy the journey. Um, the Use Kitchen Exchange Company was formed in November 2015 and is recognised as a leader in the field of recycling, which is really aimed at doing a bit for its bit for the planet. Um, Helen, before I start, I'm going to quote you because I found this off your your um, website. With sustainability being critical to the health of our planet, we are so proud that UK is helping people make an ethical choice when replacing their kitchens. You've now gone, you mean you've gone up on to become a multi-award winning business. Your most recent award being the Queen's Award for Enterprise in Sustainability. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about that because when you told me that, it really blew my mind. I was going, I've got a friend who's just won a Queen's Award. So there you go. Have you got one of those? No, you probably haven't. But if we look at some numbers, you've so far saved the planet, uh, saved 12,320,635 kilograms of carbon. And you've mm-hmm. saved 5,632 5, trees. And you are a B Corps certified company. Wow. Anything else you want to add to that? <laughs> Little menu of achievements? <laughs> yeah, I think the, the first thing to, to note there is what has been important when we set up the business was that we were able to verify what we were saying. So those stats are genuine stats that have been recorded by a carbon calculator that we initiated. So we gained funding from Europe. So there's a lot of, a lot of work that's gone in behind that. And it is, it is a particular drum, I suppose, that I beat a lot because there's a lot of greenwashing out there. So one of the things I would like just to bring to the table straight away when you are running an ethical business is to be able to genuinely verify the statements that you're making because I think ultimately, ultimately I think it will become a legal requirement to do so. But at the moment, I think um, if there's too much of it, then consumers are going to switch off to it. You know, it's going to wash over them rather than have any major significance. So we're very proud of the fact that everything we do is has been verified and approved. And I think that's that's probably why we won the Queen's Award. <laughs> well, I also think, you know, because we've known each other a long time. I mean, do you remember in those days when you had to tick a lot of boxes, say that you were an investor in people, that you were, mm-hmm. you know, ISO 9001 you know credited and there was just a box ticking ticking exercise and you know every three years you were audited and then someone would come in and say yeah Mm -hmm. you've passed it again you all went whoa like that whereas yours is on a daily on a daily basis you can monitor exactly what you're saving by what you're doing the activity of your team and and your business 
Yeah, but the reason for that, obviously, is because myself and Phil have come from a corporate background. Mm. So you can't remove yourself from the fact that the corporates do have to behave themselves and they have to do well because they have to prove they do well. And yes, they do have to tick the boxes, but even smaller businesses should be ticking those boxes as well. Just because you're small doesn't mean you shouldn't be behaving ethically and doing things in the right way and starting off as you mean to go on. So that's probably one of the things that I'm sure if Phil was on the podcast as well, he would he would say the same thing, that setting up in the first place in the right way is, is the right way forward because ultimately it saves you a lot of time in the, when you're applying for awards, etc. You've, you've got yeah. all the information there. Speaking of which, I mean, I kind of know how you started, but, you know, I think it's really good <laughs> for, because it is about this is you know, for businesses to understand what's possible. And I think your story is a really interesting story. I mean, how did you start? How did you come up with the idea of the Use Kitchen Exchange in the very beginning? Okay, so I think like a lot of, um, I suppose, disruptive businesses, it was born out of necessity. Um, Mm. So I was divorced, met a man, he bought a house. He had a very small budget to renovate that property and basically I started looking for a new kitchen it was a Victorian house high ceilings blah 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 blah. Uh, B&Q kitchen wasn't going to cut it Um, and because I'd spent a lot of time on eBay buying and selling as a lot of mums do uh, selling Mm -hmm. clothes selling toys uh, replacing one with the other etc I thought well I'll have a look on eBay anyway to cut a very long story short we did find a kitchen and What became quite apparent to us as we were installing the kitchen was that um, with a little bit of knowledge, it was actually not as difficult as we thought it was going to be in the first instance. You know, I didn't know that kitchens were basically boxes in a row with a lid on the top. I thought they were some complicated, very mysterious. uh, The kitchen industry hates it when I say this, by the way. But fundamentally, apologies to the kitchen um, industry. Yeah, apologies to the kitchen industry. <laughs> FYI, um, FYI, um, with some post-it notes. I mean, obviously, Phil Phil helped with this because he's better at measurements and things like that than me. We worked out that we could we could basically plan out our own kitchen. When we went to go and pick it up, it was a Clive Christine kitchen, which a lot of people may not have heard of, but it's a very high-end designer kitchen. Uh, they gave us the original purchase price and an invoice, 120000 uh, We bought it for 5000 By the time we'd finished installing it, we put new worktops on. We had it painted. I think the whole thing came in at under ten grand. So when you think about the price of a kitchen from Ikea or B&Q, suddenly I had a beautiful designer kitchen and I was chuffed to bits. And it Um, is beautiful. I must say it is beautiful. I've been in that kitchen. It is absolutely gorgeous. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've got some Clive Christian chandeliers now as well. So I've... uh, Get you. Yeah, very nice. (laughs) Uh, Nightmare to clean, but anyway. So then what prompted the company incorporating was my daughter going to university. So I'd kind of proven concept, I'd spoken to some kitchen companies, I'd talked about a trade-in. So basically what we did was we we likened it to buying a new car. So if you buy a new car, you know, the cost of a new car is comparable with a new kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, But nobody ever offers trade-in value for the kitchen that's coming out. If it's in good condition, it can be resold. So I started, you know, because I'd worked in recruitment like you, Janet, a bit of shoe leather, 
got in the car, <laughs> drove round, walked into a showroom, said, I've got an idea for you. And they, they jumped at it. So I started doing a bit of work, going round, doing photographs, measurements, people's kitchens. And then my daughter dropped a bombshell and said, I want to go to university and I want to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if anybody out there has ever paid univers- for university, especially for um, a professional qualification that's sort of five years long. We had a few sleepless nights thinking, OK, right, this is a big expense. How are we going to pay for it? So we thought, well, we'll we'll have a go with Use Kitchen Exchange. So that's 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 really it was all there's all these motivators that start people off, but fundamentally, you know, you have an idea, uh, you know, it's going to work, but you have to have a personal driver, I think, as well. You don't just do it because you think, oh, that's a great idea. You've got to have passion in it, agreed. Um, but you've also got to have some personal drivers. If you remember back in the day, Janet, in the old fashioned recruitment interviews where they, I don't think they can do it anymore, but they used to ask you how big your mortgage was and what car you drove. Do you remember those? Do you remember those sorts of interviews? No, did they? That, that happened no, maybe to me. That, yeah, I went. That, oh, that was pre us working together, I think. Yeah. Or yeah, no, no, I, was that for salespeople? I think that might have been for sales because you wanted to see whether they were motivated yeah. by money. Yes, yeah. I do. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, to God, get, to get up and do something. I know, I know, but, but uh, yeah, terrible now. But ultimately, you know, that, that sort of personal motivation, whatever that is, has to be there so that's personally what prompted me being very honest it was out of need I had to do it um, but also obviously we knew it was going to be successful we knew it was needed and it was something I believed in so you know for me it was a no-brainer let's give it a go so that's a very honest <laughs> very honest view of how it started I mean I remember when you told me what you were doing I mean I thought it was like uh, you were you were um you know, selling people's old kitchens, you like, for example, if I mm. want to sell, but actually when I, when you mm. went into it and explained to me, no, we go into a showroom where the, sh- the showroom kitchen's been on there for a while. And, mm. you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of these things, I mean, if you look back and uh, thank goodness, the, the um, world has become more informed about the impact of throwing things on land, landfill. And I remember mm. you saying, it's just about, it goes on to landfill and I've had new kitchens myself and I used to hate, I mean, I remember giving our our um, guy who was building our kitchen a really lovely oven. I just gave it to him because I just couldn't You've never bear. gotten over that, have you? You mentioned I've it every time over it. <laughs> but, it, you know, I mean, it was, what, what was it, a range master? And I mean, yeah. I, you didn't give that I gave it away to the, oh, the builder. I was just, I just was so determined and everything I could give away, I gave away because I just couldn't bear the thought that this would be wasted. If only you and I'd spoken a lot more, I could have gone mm. through you. But you know, but even even the money aside, it's just a f- it feels good to be able to know that yeah. that Absolutely. isn't going to go. And it's about doing Absolutely. the right thing, isn't it? I I've spent so much, so many many years working with people now. So the great thing about our business is it's very personal. So mm. we go into people's homes, we meet their dog, um, we shake their hand. <laughs> There's a lot of time spent with them. So we do get to know them as individuals. And fundamentally, I think human nature is the avoidance of waste. I know that they say we're a very wasteful society, etc. But fundamentally, inside most people's head, I believe there is this attachment to something that they've paid for. 
Mm. And, you know, it's a bit like I always give the example of the CDs we bought when we were younger. Mm. Um, I can remember every month on payday, I would go out and I would probably buy two CDs. And that felt like an exceptional extravagance. Because mm-hmm. I think in those days, a CD was about £25. I seem to have this massive I figure know. in my head, how much they used to cost. And you were you were so proud of your CD collection. You had it on show, didn't you? You didn't hide mm-hmm. it behind. You were like, oh, look how many CDs I've got. I'm really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think fundamentally our nature is that we, we, we do know things have a value, but with a kitchen or with a bathroom or a bedroom, I honestly think we don't have the know-how. We mm. don't know that it could be resold in the first instance, mm. but also how do you do it? How do you do mm. it yourself? How do you get it out? How do you get it delivered? So that's the problem we solved. That's what Use Kitchen Exchange is, is primarily about, is solving that problem. Uh, for a and doing the right thing at the same time I mean do you Absolutely. think do you think that I mean in your experience since you started the business you know I mean bear in mind you're in your you're now in your seventh year of business mm-hmm. do you think that the your customers who um, sell their kitchens their pre-loved kitchens how do you think they feel when do you, do you think that makes a difference to them in terms of how they feel about getting a new kitchen you know, selling um, rather than putting it onto the landfill. Absolutely. So there's there's a journey that people go through when they come to us. So as a seller, they start off um, with the, I don't want this to go to waste. They come to us, we value the kitchen, uh, we'll go, we go out, we photograph, we measure, we inspect it all. And then we go back with what we believe could be a, um, a, mm. a, a band of uh, a sales price for it. So we, we, we put a price on it. Then it does become a slightly different proposition to most people. So they look at this mm. and they think, well, I didn't think that was worth 3000 I didn't think that was worth five. I didn't believe that was worth two, whatever the figure is. And then that does actually become quite an important asset to them. Uh, Mm. They start off with the sustainability side, genuinely. Then it becomes about the money um, (laughs) because the money obviously is going to help them purchase the new kitchen. That's why this is a win-win. It's extrinsic benefits. So Mm. if you're doing anything sustainable, ultraism Mm. will only get you so far. And Mm. as a business, I think you have to look at the benefits to an individual Mm. as well as the benefits to the environment. And that's what makes this business so sweet, I suppose, in a a win-win for everybody situation. Uh, And then when they've sold the kitchen, they feel fantastic because they've got some money in the back pocket, but then they revert back to the environment. Then they revert back to sustainability and go, well, it didn't go to waste. And it's more than just sustainability here because actually there's the social benefit too. The number of people when you read our reviews say, I'm just delighted it's being used by another family. So the, the social credit there. Is, yeah. is is very good it's a bit like you with your with your oven Janet yeah. <laughs> you know you didn't you wanted somebody else to have it you didn't want it to go to waste yeah. so that's not necessarily about sustainability it's the broader spectrum of doing good uh, yeah. which is what B Corp is all about as well it's about the yeah. um, socio-economic benefit you know that that immeasurable thing which is about something being reused helping another family you know because what comes from your house might be used but it's not what they're used to you know it might be better than they could afford to buy 
I was going to ask you about your B Corp journey because I mean that's something that's something that a lot of companies are that every company can go for, can't they? It's not just limited mm. to organisations like you. Even I can go down the B Corp route. Can you just you know just talk a little bit about that because obviously I don't think a lot of people really understand what that is and and you know what they need to do to be able to achieve that award. Okay, so B Corp is an American organisation, but it's becoming much better known in the UK. So there are quite a few famous B Corps. Probably the most famous is Patagonia. Um, Mm. Everybody would love to be the Patagonia business. You know, everything, they stand for everything in in terms of all the values of B Corp. But there are are other companies like Jamie Oliver, his business is a B Corp. Ben and Jerry's, they're a B Corp. So you can eat ice cream in the complete knowledge that that's coming from a good (laughs) company. Oh, good. I love Um, ice cream. More interestingly, a lot of uh, supermarkets now are picking up on B Corp because what it mm-hmm. what it does do, what what the logo does is help a consumer make a more ethical choice. Um, so the ethics of the business are quite heavily tested. So the mm-hmm. the application for B Corp, they literally check everything about you that's mm-hmm. who you bank with who you trade with how you treat how how you work with your staff uh, mm-hmm. what uh, development opportunities they have how they get to work what facilities you have in the office it covers absolutely everything so as a good straw poll for the quality of a business b corp has become a recognized badge of honor really that you are doing you are doing well you're doing your bit but people Mm. should start to see it more because it's appearing much more in supermarkets Mm. um, to help purchasers make ethical choice it's a bit like fair trade for coffee Mm. um, but it covers everything so any business no matter you could have a b corp hairdressers you know Mm. But it has been adopted a lot by the retail world, but it's mm. starting to come over, move over into business now. Yeah, it's interesting. I've started to see, you know, this whole conversation and, and I think people's um, behaviours when they are looking for products starting to change. I mean, even mm. today I was interviewing a candidate and he was talking about the company. Um, you know, he'd obviously done his research and he, he turned around and said, oh, I really like that they're a sustainable business. And it's the first time I've actually heard that in an interview before. But, you you know, having those conversations out there in the wider world with friends, family, whoever it might be, mm-hmm. it's something that you're starting to hear on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I've actually started to see it in supermarkets as well, because I know Mm. that products are starting to put on their kind of, you know, CO2 emissions on on their products in terms of how much CO2 has gone into making Mm. that product, how far it's traveled. Mm. And obviously shopping behaviors are starting to to change as well. It's interesting. There was a guy that we interviewed um, two weeks ago. And one of the things he really loved about the business that we were introducing them to was they had this absolute commitment to sustainability. I mean, Mm. this company... They, they're the, the CEO is absolutely committed to, you know, ensuring that the future of the environment is a big focus for them. Um, and when he went on to there, we said, have a look at the website because he'd started talking about that in the course of the interview. We said, go and have a look at the website, and he came off and said, that's a company I want to work for. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that that is going to be a factor that will feature very heavily in people's choices um, in terms of who they want to work with, which is is a great thing, really, because we do need to, not only do we need to do things right for our own people and for our own business, we need to do the thing that's right for the community and for the world and, and, uh, you know, in general. I mean, that's that's the key for me, because Mm. I think 
it, it's it is fair to say, but it's not a good thing to say. I think ten years ago, environmental concerns were for the few, yeah. um, and they were normally people who. Um, were from completely different walks of life, be them environmentalist mm-hmm. politicians, film stars, whoever they be, and you, th- you sit there thinking, yawn, yawn, oh God, they're banging that drum again. <laughs> but what has really changed, and I've noticed this since the business started seven years ago, there is a definite switch, and that switch has happened over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as with any change, it's all started with awareness. And mm-hmm. fundamentally, I think... My own personal opinion is that COVID has really affected us on a much deeper level yeah. in that we realise genuinely that bad things can happen in our own home and on our own doorstep because it's always happening to somebody else, isn't it? World disasters yeah. always happen somewhere else. Bad things always, hopefully, you know, they're, they're not in your own home. You don't wish it on anybody else, but you don't open the door and let it in. Yeah. Um, but COVID... totally totally different and we've Mm. I think there was a switch in in uh, a psychological switch that people went oh my goodness me you know yeah this this can go wrong you know my my world is far more fragile than I thought it was and I think that's transcended itself into to being you know and the the be kind movement and all of those I think it's a bit of a perfect storm where we all realize we have to we have to act differently it goes back to being kind, isn't it? You know, I think people, I remember writing an article several years ago entitled Hope, and it's a word that is not often used within a commercial setting, you know, because it's kind of like, is that a bit weak? You know, you're just hoping things will happen. I'm going to write that one down, Janet. I love Go that on. word. <laughs> yeah, I'm hope is down. a great hope. Be- because you just hope that change, you know, we can all mm. say, you know, we're all driving, you know, towards a more ethically focused business where ethically sourced products but actually it's also about creating an ethical culture and I you know and I suppose looking at your culture within your own business because you are an ethical business in terms of Mm. you know just the service and and the products that you provide it's all about doing the right thing for the planet and ultimately right thing for the people who use your service but it's sustaining that and it's making sure that that is evidenced in everything that we do as business leaders you know and Mm. I think that's clear I mean how do you think do you think having brought people into your business that that has changed their attitude to how they care for the planet and for the environment around them absolutely I mean you you it can't it can't you can't stop it going into people's psyche because they're talking about it every day I do remember conversations with you when you first started Marmion (laughs) <laughs> and um, we used to talk about what I was doing. And, and you know, I think you, you, you will say that there were certain things um, that you you realized that you could do to make a difference. I mean, I think one of the first first gifts I gave, a sustainable gift I gave, um, was um, a reusable water bottle. And that must have been five or six years ago. And I, mm-hmm. I actually gave them to my family as well. Mm-hmm. And the older generation looked at me and said, you're going to give an 18-year-old a water bottle? And I went, yeah. And I gave it to the <laughs> 18-year-old. And the 18-year-old, oh, that's brilliant. You know, because they're far yeah. more switched on than we yeah. are. Yeah. Um, fortunately, we've, we're, we're all beginning to catch up there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, 
we get regular arguments in the office if somebody puts a can in the wrong bin, etc., etc. Um, and people are more mindful, you know, they don't open the window if the heating's on and that type of thing. And, you know, it, it's becoming a way of life within the office. We always recruit yeah. locally as well, which makes a big mm. difference because they feel good about that as well because yeah. they're not yeah. travelling too far. So, yeah, it, it, it just becomes a way of life, really. What you just said there, Helen, is exactly what I was just going to say. I think it's making those movements and keeping the conversation going. For me, mm. what what I've noticed, as I said before, over the last year, the last couple of years, is that the conversation is happening more and more often. You know, you're seeing mm. it on adverts, you're seeing it, you know, in terms of having conversations with your friends. And it's just like any, you know, emergency, like the mental health emergency, it's keeping that conversation going. The sustainable, mm. you know, the climate change, you know, emergency, it's keeping those conversations conversations going and I think us sat here today you know the pennies just dropped for me I think it's just ensuring that businesses like yourself are at the forefront of pushing that message out there and <laughs> you know continuing to you know yeah, even yeah, I think absolutely. we we probably you know we've made changes in our business you know where we've we've cut down on um paper in fact we're a paperless business now mm-hmm. we um car share wherever we can and we probably don't shout mm-hmm. about that enough but we probably should to encourage other businesses to do the same and you don't realize that indirectly those thoughts are going in like for me they are there in the back of my mind but I just need to be more conscious of it I mean Helen today we had um, our marketing team came up with some of our new merchandise and I never thought I'd get excited about the um about a cup (laughs) you know I mean this cup can last for 10 years it's water it goes into the dishwasher it's made from recycled paper cups you know it is really and they're lovely actually and I can't believe I'm getting excited about that but you know mm. you know we are I think if we all think a little bit more about the consequences of the things that we do mm. in terms yeah. of you know not just you know for our own person but the whole the bigger picture I think that's a really important thing and it's sustaining yeah. it's yeah it's keeping it going and it's that's the hardest bit of work is maintaining that yeah, I mean, you know, I know I know we're talking about what what could be seen as frivolous items like water bottles etc. Mm. But ultimately, as you've said Matt, once you start to think in this way, then it becomes mm. it becomes something you consider in greater detail. So, um, you know, you start to question the ethics of the suppliers that you're working with. Yeah. Um, you start to look at things a little differently. And you make different choices and better choices. And that's mm. not just about what you buy or don't buy. It's about who you mm. work with, how you work with them. And some of the, I mean, for instance, we work with Marmion. I mean, not not only do we have a good relationship with all you guys and we've used you for a long time. We also like the way you work. I mean, I can remember getting back in touch with Janet years ago. Um, and I phoned her literally out of the blue. And I, I had a number in my phone and I, I was struggling because I had a new, a new business, basically, new, new people to work with, new, new, new people in. And I, and I remember thinking, what would Janet do? <laughs> and um, do you know what I did? I picked up the phone and I phoned her and I said, I just wanted to let you know, Janet, you popped into my head. And things change in your mind as you see and you work with people. So not just around the ethics of the environment, the ethics of the workplace as well. And um, Janet, you've always been somebody who has had very strong work ethic, agreed, but you've always been very ethical about it. I was a young mum 
when I started working with Janet, Janet too was a slightly older mum, <laughs> slightly older than me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Only a little bit. Called them. A little bit. A geriatric mum in the 30s, that was outrageous. I thought, yeah, no, a geriatric mum, please. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was great for me because you, you knew my plight, if you like. Mm. You know, you, you'd been there. I mean, I think our children were about four years apart, weren't they? Mm. Um, yeah. both, both sets. And, you know, you got it, you understood it. And it's the way you treated me, the way you respected me. You respected my position in the business, but you also respected respected my commitment to my family and my home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that never left me, never left me to the point where I felt I had to phone you to tell you. Not got rid of oh. you since. Oh. But. <laughs> and, you know, one of the proudest in my career, Helen, the prou- and, I'm just, and then we're sort of like, oh, gosh, there's so much love going on here. But one of the proudest moments was actually seeing you win the uh, women in business. The every woman. Oh, the every, I mean, that was, <laughs> and when we were sitting at the table and I was going, please, God, just let her win, just let her win because she really deserves this and it would just make her so happy and it would make me so happy. And then they called your name out. Well, I, I remember, I still, even now, I still have the hairs in the back of my neck go up because I just think that was just such a special day. And it was, and what, it? And, and how did it happen? Because you decided to do something that was a little bit different, that carried a lot of risk. Because ah. it was still, wow. you know, if you think about 2017, I think it was, 2016, Oh, yeah, 17. nobody had ever, nobody nobody had ever thought about it. buying a used kitchen. Yeah. It was like, you know, I mean, trying to convince hearts and minds to change yeah. um, can be quite difficult. And, you know, I always go back to the fact that with sustainability and to yeah. get people to change their minds, if you can bring some extrinsic benefits fit in there or at least make people aware of why it's good Uh, Mm. because the information just isn't out there you know why Mm. why shouldn't we do this why shouldn't we do this why should we do it this way you know it's a little bit like uh, the the food labeling the new food labeling well it's not new actually it's probably been around for 20 years but the green amber and red we all now look at that when it first came out, you know, diet, serial dieters like me permanently on a diet, I was, I was in heaven because all the calories were there and I didn't need to get my book out. Do you remember when the calories used to come <laughs> yeah. in a book? Yeah, well-thumbed book in my handbag. But, you know, could you imagine if we had something like that? on products mm-hmm. that we were buying that had how many miles it had travelled, what the carbon footprint was, mm-hmm. you know, what the supply chain was like, you know, some mm-hmm. some measure, you know, it'd be like, you know, would you buy the thing that's 50% fat, you know, the, the lasagna from Marks and Spencer that's 50% fat, or would mm-hmm. you buy something that's 25% fat? Likewise, if you saw the environmental impact of a product, would it make mm-hmm. you think twice? And I mm-hmm. think it would. But that's about information and that information, I mean, we can't really be too heavy handed in saying people need to need to do this, that and the other if they don't know why. You know, there's very little information out there for people. If Deborah Meaden happens to listen to this, you know, it would be really interesting to see a dragon's den full of people who, um, like you two, are, you know, looking for businesses that are purely focused on um, the environment sustainability and what they can do to you know to drive that forward in business and products I mean is, is there just on that is there a, a panel or is there a, a kind of group out there that, that is pioneering this in terms of from a business point of view no is the answer there are that it's it's very disjointed it was quite interesting I wrote an article for the kitchen industry recently 
where I was saying task force are probably the best way to move things forward because mm-hmm. you take uh, people within an industry who are doing things well, um, mm-hmm. but also influential people who, who can make change happen mm-hmm. um, and it's collectives like that that are going to make things change but um, no we haven't got anything collectively that I'm aware of that is mm-hmm. is doing that but I'm sure um, I'm sure it's out there I don't I don't think I've just come up with that idea mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I've read it somewhere or it's gone into my psyche somewhere that that would be a great way but you know there's greater minds than us working on this and how we can do it because we have got the the race to net zero for yeah. 2050 or whenever but it is. But having said that, Helen, you know, when you say greater minds yeah. than us, the problem is it's not it's not getting out there. And I think sometimes yeah. they need us normal people to be, you know, not being aggressive about yeah. it and just saying, you know, one of the things you're doing this in the back, you're doing your thing, you're building your business, you're communicating what it is that you're doing. I think sometimes that that message, that, that that drive, those ethics, they can sometimes be so aggressively forced down people's throats that it Absolutely. actually puts them off. And I think Absolutely. they need to start thinking about how are we communicating this? And, and I think that might make a difference. But I'm very conscious that we've had so much of your time and I've really enjoyed, as always, Helen, you and I could natter on forever. <laughs> to be fair, I think Matt could join in that as well. Yeah, I'm just yeah you have to bring a bottle you've... of wine next time though. Don't you worry. <laughs> The wine will be on. It'll be sustainable too. It's been really interesting, actually, oh. from my perspective, because obviously I've I've known you for quite a few years, Helen. But we um, we actually only met about a year ago, I think, because obviously you and yeah. Janet have been working very closely together. And I think hearing your story and actually where your business started has just been really interesting. And I think mm. you know will probably inspire quite a lot of people yeah. to think Hope that so. way. Yeah, I no, hope I, so. I, I, I you know, so. what what was essentially a kitchen table business, and that's what it was. Me driving around with a car. The the quote from the Queen's Award for Sustainability uh, was that we are beginning to change a whole industry, and that was that was the reason that we won the award. So when they wow. encapsulate it for you for mm. your statement as to why, um, and that that makes me pretty proud. I've got to say. And I have to say, it's not just kitchens that you do. You're doing the whole, you could actually refurb an entire house now. Oh, we're we're coming up with names. Today's naming day. We're going, we just, oh, we're working with the branding agency. So we've got 10 names to choose from. So let's see what we're going to be called. Exciting. Well, how can people find you? Okay, so the website is uke.co.uk. Nice and simple. And if they Google sell my kitchen, then we will come up. Look for us because we're the ones with the Queen's Award. So I think that's blazoned all over because we're very proud of that right now. Fantastic. As you should be. (laughs) I'm going to see Charlie as well. Oh, where um, are you going? uh, Middle of July. So it's either buy a new dress or lose three stone. Can't work out which one to do. Okay, we'll get a new frock. It's easier to buy a new dress, isn't it? Get but it's frock, not sustainable, yeah. is it? So perhaps That's I'll just true. eat veg. I I'll just eat, eat my veg. Words. I'll just... Eat veg. Pu- Are they sustainable veg. words, though? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. New business idea there for you, Helen. Oh. Start introducing clothing into your... Yeah. Uh... You know, you can, yeah. buy, you can actually hire them now, Helen. You can hire a frock now. I know, I know. But that's questionable, the carbon footprint of that, you know. Oh, be true, be true. Yeah, it's not all good. But if I've got one message for anybody that's looking to bring sustainability or a more ethical approach to their business, it's all about education and engagement. 
and you've got to you've got to do both of those things you've got to engage people and get them on board and get them excited and get them involved Um, but you also need to educate in the right way obviously not preach but educate and make people aware of why we're doing it otherwise you'll they'll just be empty words well it's fantastic to speak to you and you take care i'm looking forward to seeing the pictures from your day at the palace Oh. Again, I'd like to say a very big thank you to Helen Lord from the Used Kitchen Exchange uh, for taking the time to speak with us today. I know she has a very busy schedule and hopefully, Helen, you found it a better experience than you thought it would be. Also, thank you for taking the time to listen to us. And if you'd like to learn a little bit more about what it is that we do, please visit wearemarmine.com and we look forward to speaking to you again in the very near future. Music